Part Three, Chapter Thirteen of Bonaventure, a Prose Pastoral of Acadian Louisiana. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Bonaventure, a Prose Pastoral of Acadian Louisiana by George W. Cable. Part Three, Chapter Thirteen, The Chase. Claude came on close behind. No, now he could see his mistake, it was not she, but he could not regret it. This was Marguerite repeated, yet transcended. The stature was just perceptibly superior. The breadth and grace of these shoulders were better than Marguerite's. The hair, arranged differently and far more effectively than he had ever seen it on Marguerite's head, seemed even more luxurious than hers. There was altogether a finer dignity in this one's carriage than in that of the little maid of the inn. And see now, now, as she turns her head to glance into this shop window, it is and it isn't, it isn't and it is, and... No, no, it is not Marguerite. It is like her in profile, singularly like, yet far beyond her the nose a little too fine, and a certain sad firmness about the mouth and eyes, as well as he could see in the profile, but profiles are so deceptive, that he had never seen in Marguerite. But how do I know? What do I know? he asked himself, still following on. The Marguerite I know is but a thing of my dreams, and this is not that Marguerite of my actual sight, to whom I never gave a word or smile or glance that calls for redemption. This is the Marguerite of my dreams. Claude was still following when, without any cause that one could see, the young man of the group looked back. He had an unpleasant face. It showed a small offensive energy that seemed to assert simply him and all his against you and all yours. His eyes were black, piercing, and hostile. They darted their glances straight into Claude's. Guilty Claude, dogging the steps of ladies on the street. He blushed for shame, turned a corner into Exchange Alley, walked a little way down it, came back, saw the great crowd coming and going, vehicles of all sorts hurrying here and there, ranks of street-cars waiting their turns to start to all points of the compass, sellers of peanuts and walking-sticks, buyers of bouquets, acquaintances meeting or overtaking one another, nodding bonnets, lifted hats, faces 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 but the one face was gone caught claude and by a mere face the charge is too unkind young folly yes or old folly may read goodness rashly into all beauty or not care to read it in any but it need not be so upon the face of youth the soul within writes its confessions and promises and when the warm pulses of young nature are sanctified by upward yearnings and pure conscience, the soul that seeks its mate will seek that face which, behind and through all excellencies of mere tint and feature, mirrors back the seeker's own faiths and hopes, and when that is found, that to such a one is beauty. Judge not, 
You never saw this face fairer than Marguerite's. To say whether its beauty was mere face or the transparent shrine of an equal nobility within. Besides, Claude would have fired up and denied the first word of the charge with unpleasant flatness. To be caught means to be in love. To be in love implies a wish and hope to marry. And these were just what Claude could not allow. May not a man nevertheless have an ideal of truth and beauty, and look worshipfully upon its embodiment? Humph! His eyes sought her in vain, not only on that afternoon, but on many following. The sun was setting every day later and later, through the black lacework of pecan trees and behind low dark curtains of orange groves, yet he began to be more and more tardy each succeeding day in meeting his father under the riverside oaks of the exposition grounds. And then, on the seventh day, he saw her again. Now he was more confident than ever that this vision and he, except in dreams, had never spoken to each other. Yet the likeness was wonderful. But so, too, was the unlikeness. True, this time she only flashed across his sight, out of a bank, into a carriage where a very American-looking lady sat waiting for her, and was gone. But the bank, the carriage, that lady, those earlier companions, no, this could not be Marguerite. Marguerite would have been with her mother. Now if one could see Madame Beausoleil's daughter with Madame Beausoleil at her side, to identify her and distinguish her from this flashing and vanishing apparition, it would clear away a trying perplexity. Why not be bold and call upon them where they are dwelling? But where? Their names were not in the directory. Now, inventive talent, do your best. Well, said Saint-Pierre, after a long silence. Claude and he were out on the swollen Mississippi, pulling with steady leisure for the homeside shore, their skiff pointed half to and half from the boiling current. The sun was gone, a purple dusk wrapped either low bank. A steamboat that had passed upstream was now, at the turning of the bend, only a cluster of soft red lights. Venus began to make a faint silvery pathway across the waters. Saint-Pierre had the forward seat at Claude's back. The father looked with fond perplexity at the strong young shoulders swinging silently with his own, forward and backward, in slow monotonous strokes, and said again, "'Well, what's matter? Look like cat got your tongue. Make a new machine?' Then, in a low, dissatisfied tone, I reckon something mighty curious. He repeated the last three words in the Acadian speech. Jack shows bien curieux. Yes, replied the son, mighty strange. I tell you when we come at home. He told all, recounted all his heart's longings, all his dreams, every least pang of self-reproach, the idealization of marguerite and the finding of that ideal incarnated in one who was and yet seemed not to be or rather seemed to be and yet was not marguerite 
and then he went on to reassure his father that this could never mean marriage never mean the father's supplanting a man could worship what he could never hope to possess he would rather worship this than win such kind as he would dare woo he said all these things in a very quiet way with now and then a silent pause and now and then a calm self-contained tone in resuming yet his sentences were often disconnected and often were half soliloquy such were the only betrayals of emotion on either side until claude began to treat in the words just given his father's own heart interests then the father's eyes stood brimming full but st pierre did not speak from the first he had listened in silence and he offered no interruption until at length claude came to that part about the object of his regard being so far so utterly beyond his reach then stop das all foolishness you want her you can have her ah oh, papa you don't understand what i am ah bah what anybody is what she is she invented bigger machine than you a more better cone stubble destroyer and plant corner he meant corn planter she invent a more handier double action peavine rake what she done make her so grand na no, sir she look fine in de face yas and das all you know well das all right das de cajun way pick em out by face you begin cajun way for why you don't finish cajun way all you got to do you get good saddle hoss and ride bom by you see her you ride behind her till you find where her daddy livin at den you ride past yonder every day till four five days and den you see de old man come scrape friend with you den he has you drop round and fust ting you know adieu la college claude did not dispute the point though he hardly thought this case could be worked that way he returned in silent thought to the question how to find madame beausoleil he tried the mail no response he thought of advertising but that would never do imagine if madame beausoleil late of vermilionville will leave her address at this office she will hear of something not in the least to her advantage he couldn't advertise it was midday following the eve of his confession to his father for the last eleven or twelve days ever since he had seen that blessed apparition turn with the two young friends into canal street out of bourbon he had been venturing daily for luncheon just down into bourbon street to the christian women's exchange now by all the laws of fortune he should in that time have seen in there at least once or twice a day already the face he was ever looking for but he had not nor did he to-day he only saw or thought he saw the cashier i should say the cashieress glance crosswise at him with eyes that seemed to him to say fool sneak whelp cajun our private detectives are watching you 
Both rooms and the veranda were full of ladies and gentlemen whose faces he dared not lift his eyes to look into, and yet even in that frame there suddenly came to him one of those happy thoughts that are supposed to be the inspirations of inventive genius. A pleasant little female voice near him said, "'And apartments upstairs that they rent to ladies only.' and instantly the thought came that marguerite and her mother might be living there one more lump of bread a final gulp of coffee a short search for the waiter's check and he stands at the cashieress's desk she makes change without looking at him or ceasing to tell a small hunchbacked spinster standing by about somebody's wedding but suddenly she starts oh wasn't that right "'You gave me four bits, didn't you? "'And I gave you back two bits and a picayune, and... "'Sir, does Madame who? "'Oh, yes, I didn't understand you. "'I'm a little deaf on this side. "'Scarlet fever when I was a little girl. "'I'm not the regular cashier. "'She's gone to attend the wedding of a lady friend. "'Just wait a minute, please, while I make change for these ladies. "'Oh, dear, ma'am, is that the smallest you've got?' "'I don't believe I can change that, ma'am. "'Yes. No. Stop. Yes, I can. No, I can't. Let's see. Yes, 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 I can. I've got it. Yes, there. I didn't think I had it.' She turned again to Claude with sisterly confidence. "'Excuse me for keeping you waiting. Haven't I met you at the YMCA sociable?' "'Well, you must excuse me, but I was sure I had.' "'Of course I didn't if you was never there, "'but you know in a big city like this "'you're always meeting somebody "'that's nearly somebody else that you know. "'Oh, didn't you ask me? "'Oh, yes, Madame Beausoleil. "'Yes, she lives here, she and her daughter, "'but she's not in. "'Oh, I'm sorry, neither of them is here. "'She's not in the city, hasn't been for two weeks. "'They're coming back. "'We're expecting them every day.' "'She heard of the death of a relative down in Terrebonne somewhere. "'I wish they would come back. We miss them here. "'I judge they're relatives of yours, if I don't mistake the resemblance. "'You seem to take after the daughter. Wait a minute.' "'Someone coming up to pay looked at Claude to see what the daughter was like, "'and the young man slipped away, out blushing the night sky when the marshes are afire. "'The question was settled, settled the wrong way.' He hurried on across Canal Street. Marguerite had not been, as he had construed the inaccurate statement, in the city for two weeks. Resemblances need delude him no longer. He went on into Carondelet Street, and was drawing near the door and stairway leading to his friend's studio and his own little workroom above it, when suddenly from that very stairway and door issued she whom, alas, he might now no longer mistake for Marguerite, yet who, none the less, for lessening hope, held him captive. End of Part 3 Chapter 13